0: Welcome to the Horror Babel Originals podcast. The Man Who Saw the Light Over Winter Hill by Ian Gordon. 10. Missing Time I have only vague recollections of the period between falling asleep in that grey world and waking on the sofa on the morning of January 3rd in a colourful world, the real world as I now call it. These are the snippets. The earliest memory I have is of being carried out of the grey house, half asleep, and placed in the back of a silver car, a noisy vehicle that just had to be the Vento, or a car just like it. I was driven north as evidenced by the sight of the TV mast I caught glimpses of through the windscreen. I'm pretty sure my captors took the service road, and at some point we left the road and were quickly enveloped by moor grass and darkness. The next thing I remember is looking up at a sequence of ceiling lights as they passed overhead. Undoubtedly, I had been returned to the facility under the moor. I was lying flat on my back, aching all over, feeling for all the world like a man approaching death, a shadow of my former self, thrust forward on a firm gurney by hands I couldn't see, taken deeper and deeper into the complex. And then... "'laid bare in the diffuse lighting "'of what resembled an operating theatre. "'Faces were peering at me from above, "'the pale visages of frightening physicians "'analyzing me, prodding me, poking me, "'but, strangely enough, their actions eliciting no pain. "'Some time later, "'after who knows what was done to me in that grim place, "'I was left to recuperate in a dark room. "'As I said before, I was so utterly exhausted when I reached the grey house that I could barely stand and that listlessness persisted as I lay there in the shadows so much so that I'm unable to say what went through my mind. The physicians came and went sticking me with needles measuring my blood pressure sometimes communicating with one another as they did so. Their faces still haunt me they'll always haunt me colourless and empty of expression, gaunt and plain, wide-mouthed and hollow-eyed, ghastly in every respect. And that was about the extent of my recall at the time. The next thing I knew I was at home, still aching and tired, but surrounded by familiar comforts. I dragged my heavy body from the sofa and looked out of the window. The silver Ventor was parked right outside— its a noisy engine ticking over. But knowing that I'd been in the back of that car, and had walked away seemingly unscathed, some of the fear dissipated, and I determined to confront the driver, there and then. I found my coat and scarf hanging by the telephone in the dining room. My boots had been placed by the front door. I threw these things on, sans the scarf, and stormed out of the front door like a man possessed but the car moved off the moment my feet touched the flags outside. The driver, evidently, wasn't prepared to speak to me. "'Who is that?' I heard a voice ask. I turned and saw Justin standing in the yard next door, watching the car drive off to the north. "'I mentioned it to the officer who was here earlier,' he went on, but she told me to keep away from it, that it's none of my concern. "'Christ!' This he added upon making eye contact with me. "'What's going on with you, anyway?' "'What do you mean?' I asked, innocently enough. "'All this business with the police. An intruder. Yeah, yeah, I heard it through the grapevine. That bloody car, and—' Here, he hesitated. "'You look like shit.' I did my best to form a reassuring smile, then asked, "'Did you get the name of the officer?' "'Some inspector or other?' "'Sorry, Roma. can't remember. "'I was too preoccupied with holding Jolly back. "'There was something about her that rubbed him up the wrong way. <laughs> "'Weird. You know how placid he is.' "'I nodded, and took a couple of steps across the yard towards him, "'but stopped in my tracks, as Jolly, the most docile of bulldogs, "'got up on his hind legs and started barking at me over the party wall. "'Jolly!' Justin admonished. What the hell is this now? Sorry, Rome, he's obviously not feeling like himself today. It's okay, mate, I said loudly. We'll talk later. I went back inside and stood for a moment by the door, nursing a developing headache. From what Justin had said, Inspector Thompson had paid our quiet street a visit earlier that morning. Why? Was she checking up on me personally? Had Constable Milne become aware of my absence and reported back to her. The timing seemed strange to me. She'd shown up just prior to my waking up after several unexpected days away, and she clearly knew all about the silver Vento. had warned my neighbour against asking further questions about it. No, I didn't like it one bit. There was something going on, and I, somehow or other, appeared to be at the centre of it. Rosie called that afternoon— And what she had to say only made matters worse. I couldn't get hold of you, she said. So I called the police, spoke directly to Thompson. She said you were fine, that you'd been advised to keep off the phone after receiving a bunch of prank calls. Well, I'll tell you, if you hadn't answered just now, I'd have been driving over. So Thompson knew about the calls, too. I was surprised she hadn't had the line disconnected. But I didn't deny anything didn't want to further agitate my sister. I told her all was well, and that I'd call her the moment the suspect was recaptured. Again, forgive me, Rose. After saying goodbye to Rosie for the last time, I climbed the stairs wearily, and shuffled into the bathroom. I walked up to the mirror, and took a good long look at myself. Justin was right. I did look like shit. Worse than shit. I was grey through and through. My eyes were bulging in their sockets with dark, swollen bags under them. My lips were chapped and dull. My hair was dry and straw-like. I looked like death warmed up. And that was three days ago. You want to see me now? (laughs) I'm struggling with the pen. All that jabbering at the beginning has really cost me. Doesn't matter. There isn't much more to write now, anyway.